Hello and welcome to the Dope Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Mona Brown, and I'm excited about the episode tonight. I have a very special guest in the house, which you will meet very soon if you don't already know him. For those of you who do, thank you for tuning in, and for everyone who's new, thank you for tuning in as well. I want to give a disclaimer because y'all know I got natural hair, and it's been like a little dewy mist. So if you see this stuff start puffing up because it already hit some rain on the outside, look, okay? But it's all mine, okay? So, anyways, today our special guest is the Honorable Delegate Joshua Cole. How are y'all? Welcome, welcome. Thank you. And the district that he represents is? The 28th House District, the city of Fredericksburg and Stafford County. Yes, and it's actually where I live. So I actually have voted for him before even meeting him, which was cool. I was like, oh, I got it right. (laughs) This is a good one. Yes. So... Um, for the people who don't know you, um, I'm going to share how I came to know you first, and then we're going to go into like background. Okay. So, um, like I said, he is a delegate. So when I'm out, I'm from Woodbridge, of course, y'all know that, but I raised my kids in Spotsy, and then I ended up moving to the district that he represents now. And when I was looking, an election was coming up, but I was looking at him, you know, I, you know, I love a political process. Um, I was looking and his views actually like aligned the most with me. So I was like, all right, you know, go ahead. And okay. He looks like, you know what I'm saying? He got a little drip. He's, he might understand like some of the issues. No, for real. He might understand some of the issues for, you know, um, this generation. I, I won't even say the younger generation. Cause it's like, it's kind of like everybody who's brought up in the eighties, nineties up until now have a certain kind of swag about them, drip or whatever. So I was like, oh, but maybe he might know that, you know, whatever. So did it. Didn't think about it, you know, elected, I mean, uh, and he got the, he got the nomination. He got the seat. I'm sorry. So then fast forward to, uh, last summer when a lot of the protests started up again, I would start seeing him at the protest and I'm like, he's a politician and he's at protest. Like then I was like proud, like, Hey, I voted for him. <laughs> I did. And he actually cares. Like, because sometimes politicians don't care. There are great ones that do, but sometimes a lot of them don't. So it really impressed me. And you'll they'll learn a little bit more about, like, what he's about, all that good stuff. So to start, welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being here and not wearing a suit. I wanted you to, <laughs> wanted you to be comfortable. So don't nobody say anything to him about that. I want him to be comfortable. Um, tell me a little bit of background, because you were actually raised in the same district that you represent, which is key and dope. Yep, yep. So um, I was born in D.C., but my mom's family and my dad's family, they were all from Stafford County. Uh, my mom graduated from Stafford Senior High School, and my dad was the first graduating class of North Stafford High School. The first? The first graduating wow. class of North Stafford High School, right. Wow. <laughs> um, and I matriculated through the Stafford County public school system. I went to uh, Falmouth Elementary School, Drew Middle School. I started at Stafford Senior High School, and then my junior year, I transferred to North Stafford High School because my mom wanted me to do JRTC. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Did um, you enjoy it? I did. I really you did. did. I okay. did. I was uh, the operations <laughs> commander, so I had a little power while uh, I was there too. You know? he, was, uh, he was the safety patrol on the bus. You know how You know how when you was in the school, you were so excited to get your little... You remember that. I was I was hall monitor too. Yeah. I did all uh, that. Knew he so, was going to end up a politician. Look at that. And so, um, you know, one of the things that happened was after I left, I went to college, and I came back about 
five years, four years later, I think I came back to Fredericksburg in 2014, 2015. Uh -huh. um, and I started working in Northern Virginia. So I was a commuter. I would slug to work. I would park my car at the commuter oh, so line you, on 610, hop in the car, slug up to the Pentagon, take the metro to work. And a couple of things that I would hear, you know, in the cars is, oh, the school system, or my kids are losing their teachers, and they lost them in the middle of the school year, mm -hmm. or um, the traffic is terrible down here, or we keep losing businesses, and businesses keep going other. And so there was really concern, mm -hmm. you know, from just the regular people who were just working. And then I also started to realize, dang, all these people work in D.C., but yet they live here. We can't even find well-paying jobs here. to keep people here in the mm -hmm. area where they live in. Um, but I wasn't even thinking about politics at that time. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, um, I, I got a job working for the General Assembly, and I think that's kind of what turned my focus into politics at that time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you are a man who is about it. So, um, in my research, because I, I mean, I knew some things about you, but I did not know how many things you've actually touched. I, and I, all I kept thinking was, he's really bad about it. Like, <laughs> he's even been in the background doing stuff that I didn't even know about or that, you know, a lot of people aren't aware because you don't go by and like, I was the former president <laughs> of the Stafford NAACP. But he was, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you also were, this is a long one, you were on the committee for the equ equity and diversity of Stafford County Public Schools superintendents. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the Greater Fredericksburg Area Interfaith Council. So he's had connections and has connections to various things in the community as well. But then you decided to get into one of the most craziest, <laughs> um, I don't want to say industries, but industries. Yep. The only thing I think that rivals it is the music industry, where where you got some good, you know, Eric probably can say, yeah, because he's, you know, he's, he's been on the music circuit. I tried you, that too. Yeah, where, okay, no, I heard you too, I heard you, I heard you. I listened to a song you sang, oh, what was that song? I'm going to find it, it's on YouTube, but he can, oh, he, be, no. he be getting it. You came with the Kirk Franklin, oh yes, Father God. I was like, oh! But anyways, so he decided to get into politics. Um, in 2017, you was your first time running. You uh, lost the race, but it was like shy of like 100. And then you came back in 2019, which was the race that I voted for, and you got it. Yep. And now, because the um, session's just finished, now you're going to start campaigning for the reelection. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's only been a short couple of years, but why? Yeah. <laughs> So I think going back to uh, what I was sharing with you about sitting in the slug cars, mm -hmm. um, listening to different people complain. And, you know, uh, growing up, I always thought that Fredericksburg was born. So mm -hmm. once I graduated school, I was like, I'm moving. I'm, I'm going leaving. to the West yeah. Coast. I'm going somewhere else. And I went to college and ended up coming back here. We started a church. So I was pastoring here for a couple of years. Um, and then you find out that Stafford County is one of the wealthiest counties in the nation. It's crazy. But we still have issues. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know and realize, you know, in Idlewild, there were people who live in Idlewild who have all these nice banging houses. Mm -hmm. But right next door is someone who's Section 8. Yep. And different people you'll never know because on the outside everything looks everything good. Everything looks good. They're struggling on the inside. On the inside. And so um, I started working for the state Senate back in 2016. This was just before uh, the 2016 presidential election. Mm -hmm. um, and from being a pastor in the area, I knew all of our senators. I knew all of our delegates. Even some of them had been in my ordination service. Yeah. But I didn't know their policies. And I didn't know their politics. Mm -hmm. And so working in the General Assembly, 
um, with them, I got to see them up close and personal. Mm -hmm. I got to hear their uh, behind the scenes conversations and, you know, being a staffer, we get to hear all of that. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, that's who's representing yeah, us. Yeah, that's not good. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so after working in, in the state Senate, and mind you, it was just a temporary position while they were in session, I was like, once this is over, I want to get involved in someone's campaign because I need someone to beat these people. Yeah. And looking at the the information that we had, we knew that someone could actually win. But everyone who was in representation here were all in leadership. Like one delegate in one district was the chairman of a powerful committee. Mm -hmm. The delegate who we had was a speaker of the house. Mm -hmm. There was another delegate who was in leadership in the Senate, excuse me, a senator who was in leadership in the Senate. And so People were like, I ain't running against them. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got no chance. And I had went so around. So you were looking at highways and byways. <laughs> so I went around and I was like, hey, here's a pitch. I'm a pastor in the black community. I can get you into the black churches. We just, you know, need you to run. And folks were like, nah, we good. We good over here. And so I remember having a conversation with the lady who ran um, two years ago, mm -hmm. uh, prior in 2015. And she was just like, nope. I got cancer. Me and my husband are about to move to Florida. We're about to live our best life. But maybe you should run. And I was like, no, not me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she planted that seed. And that was in August of, um, of 2016. And you started thinking about it. I started it thinking and... about it. And I was like, you know, hey, I'm from the area. I got family in the area. Even though it's a powerful legislator who's in the seat, you know, Barack Obama won the district in 2008 and 2012. It's possible if we mm -hmm. have the right person running. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to some people who I knew had run before, and they're like, hey, let's get you connected with the right people. If you want to run, let's see what we can do. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, the first candidate training I went to was in December of 2016. And um, I went to a Democratic candidate training, and they looked at me, and they were like, oh, okay, you're running against the Speaker of the House. Cool. Don't count on any support <laughs> from us, but good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Okay. All right. Cool. And so I knew we had to grind. Mm -hmm. And I knew, you know, growing up, you know, my mama being a pastor, you know, she would say all things. You know, Philippians, you can do all things. Yeah, Christ Jesus, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I knew that whatever I was going to accomplish in life, I had to fight for it. Nothing was going to be given to me. Nothing was just going to be laid in my lap. Everything that was given, I had to fight for. And so we but struggled to. You're a black male. Yeah. So we kind of already know. That and that's, this that's, district. That's like kind of in, in us. Yeah. You know? And this district was not a black district. So it mm -hmm. wasn't going to be a given to me uh, just because I'm a black man. Yeah. And so we, we definitely had to prove ourselves. Uh, running that first time was just the, uh, the beginning steps. People had to see that we could prove ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, you know, the caucus, you know, the, the Democratic Party was just like, oh, well, we'll help you a little bit. You know, they chipped in some money here and there. <laughs> um, I remember a lady who's, who's a super duper strong supporter of mine now. The first time I told her I was running for the House of Delegates, she was like, oh, that's nice. Just prepared you. Just, you know, just be prepared to run twice. Uh, you know, if you don't make it this time, but you just, it's, you'll be OK. And uh, I told her that after we won. Uh, in 2019, she's like, I don't remember that. I was like, Yep, yeah, but you, you helped prepare me. me yeah. You know. <laughs> well, that's good though, because she let you know. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. That's awesome. So you also are an associate pastor now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if my research is correct, your family 
has a church that's been here for many, many years as well. Yeah. Is it, what is it called? So the church I serve as the assistant pastor is Union Bell Baptist Church in South Stafford. And that's your family that's church? That's my family's church. It's named after my great-great-grandmother, Belle Carter. Oh, Susie Belle. Susie Belle Carter, them right? Names, <laughs> them names don't come around no more. I love it. She organized that church. My family was, they were going to church in Woodbridge and uh, another church around the corner called Bethlehem Baptist in, in South Stafford. Mm -hmm. And uh, my great-grandmother, she organized, she pulled the folks together. And my uncle built the church. One of my great uncles built the church. And we're about to hit our 100-year anniversary next year. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Bill. My great-grandma's name was Zeddy Bell. <laughs> Zeddy Bell. You don't hear those names too much anymore. Now, being a pastor, and let me tell you, you can go on YouTube. Oh there is some, there is, look, he used, to, he used to put out music and everything. There's this one. Man, I got to find that song. I got to find it. I gotta, I'm going to find it for the end of the show when that video is playing. There is a song. I swear he get into his whole Kurt Franklin bag. It is so dope. But I, I was in the house. I don't even listen to gospel music no more. Like all the gospel music I know is like probably early 2000s before. And I was in there. I was like, hmm. I was, you know, cleaning up. It, it definitely. That Saturday morning clean, right? Yeah, you definitely. I was like, oh. And then so because I was listening to that, it went into other videos where you were preaching. And I have never. I've caught you doing. um lives before where you're like doing the music in mm -hmm, church mm -hmm. um but i haven't actually caught you actually preaching and i was like oh he is a preacher preacher <laughs> let me find out so first of all how do you find time for it all because yeah. i'm a person who wears a lot of hats it's a lot and my hat is not a politician yeah, yeah. so i couldn't even imagine <laughs> how do you even juggle all that um that's a good question um, and you know, there are plenty of people who are watching today and they're, you know, they're probably into different things that, you know, they want, they want to be musicians, uh, they're working a full-time job, mm -hmm. they're parenting, whatever. Um, and so I'm an assistant pastor. I do the music at the church. I'm a state legislator and I'm also a full-time graduate student who's working on a grad oh, degree right oh now. Oh my Lord. And so, you know, that's my full-time job. <laughs> oh. Oh, I've heard you say before you was a you was a college dropout. Yep, yep. So okay. I was at Liberty you University. Went back. I dropped out because it's Liberty University. Yeah. We call it the Sunken Place University. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they <laughs> greet you with tea teacups. They greet you with teacups. And so, um, you know, you know, you get in this position of power, and you kind of feel inadequate because everyone around you—they're lawyers, they're doctors, they're business owners—and here I am, like one of only four people out of one hundred that doesn't have a college degree, and I was like. I need to do something. And yeah. my mom was like, you need to go back in school. It don't make no sense. And I started my degree after you. And I finished all my... My mom is a double MBA. And oh, she finished wow. her degree after me. <laughs> she started after me wow. and finished before me. And so that's just some encouragement. You know, no matter who you are, you know, if you're a college dropout or whatever have you, you can go back. You have the time. To while do we, something we're doing more. whatever we're doing. You know, put your mind to it. You can finish it. And then that's how I think how I make it. You know, mm -hmm. by doing the music on Sundays, I have to sit down. I still have to practice. Um, once COVID he be playing, hit, he'd be playing the joint, the keys. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, once COVID hit, I kind of lost our choir. That's a you know yeah. older generation. So they're like, we ain't coming back until we know it's safe. And mm -hmm. so I've been having to carry the service by myself for about a year or so. Um, and so I still have to sit down at the keyboard and practice. I still wow. have to figure out what the set's going to be for Sunday. Uh, I still have to turn in my papers on time, you know, do my quizzes and still have to answer the emails from, you know, the people emailing about unemployment or yeah, getting vaccine things. shots or mm -hmm. you voted for this. Why'd you vote on that? Then I got to give a defense why I did that, you know? Yeah, why you did it. <laughs> I know for churches it's been hard. My my cousin, um, he's the pastor at Growth Church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, his wife is my yep. cousin. And okay. Okay. Casey and... 
I, we, we call her Kiana, but it's, it's pronounced differently. But, but you know, you know. We, we were we, all we, in Lynchburg together. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you didn't go. Oh yeah, because no. of um the area down mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. So my daughter's at Rafford now too. Wow. Okay. But um, I know churches have really been going through it. So you've had to come up with new ways of you know ministry, virtual yep. virtual mm -hmm. ministries or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like every aspect of America or the world mm -hmm. has been touched by COVID in those yep. ways. How is that? affected the political process. I know that you guys just finished the um, General Assembly sessions. Yep. Did you guys actually get to meet? So the uh, it was a little bit different where the General Assembly is split between two bodies. There's a House of Delegates and then there's the State Senate. Mm -hmm. um, the State Senate met in person because it's only 40 of them. So they met in um, the Science Museum of Virginia, which enabled them to be all spaced out. Um, there's a hundred members of us in the house. So the speaker was like, we ain't playing that. Y'all gonna meet virtually. You know? <laughs> yes. We tried it once. We did too one, much, too much. <laughs> we did one day in the Siegel Center. We had, uh, we were all on the floor of the Siegel Center in Richmond at VCU. We were all spread out. And she was That's like, where my son goes. Really? Yeah. Okay. She was just like, we need to move virtual because it's too many of y'all. She was Came to nervous. Find out there was two members yeah. who were there who were, COVID, who were positive. COVID positive. They didn't tell anybody anything. So luckily, you know, none of us caught it. Mm -hmm. But the speaker was just like, we're going virtual. Yeah. And it, it's worked. Um, you know, I was, I didn't like the virtual session because um, I like being in Richmond. I like yeah. the pomp and circumstance of walking through the hallways. You know, mm -hmm. it's history. Black folks built that. We're not yeah. supposed to walk through there in power. And so it's been amazing. <laughs> I love, yes. you know, I love the pomp and circumstance the of the of session. Yeah. But it's also been great for people who want to testify in committee. Because typically, if you want to testify in committee, you have to drive down to Richmond. Mm -hmm. You don't know when these committees are going to meet. You got to wait all day and then hope the that chair they, they represents, you know, yeah. recognizes you to speak. Mm -hmm. And so now people have been able to testify from Chilhowee, Virginia, from Hampton Roads, from Northern Virginia, uh, from Dinwiddie, and not even have to drive to Richmond. They could just That's hop dope. in on Zoom and testify from, you know, the living room. And so I really hope that we'll be able to change the rules of the House of Delegates, even though we're going to be, I, I still think we should be there in person. Yeah, but for people who want to testify a committee, maybe they don't have allow to allow them in. to call yeah. in. Yeah, so that might virtual. change things. Yeah. yeah, which I think a lot of people have learned. Oh, we thought we had to do it this way, yeah. but we, we maybe can move with the time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um, being a politician and being a pastor, to me, um, in my experience, because I do enjoy politics and learning about different things, uh, if you're a Christian pastor, typically you lean a certain way. Um, and that certain way makes you lean a certain way on issues. Sometimes it's genuine. I have a conviction. Boom, boom, boom. Cool. I have no problem with that. But a lot of times it's because a certain political party has influenced that. And you know how we, yep. everybody knows how it goes. So with your voting record, because some things I'm like, oh, I'm kind of shocked. He, okay. Well, he gets okay. <laughs> and he might not agree, but oh, he understands it's people's, you know, have the right to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, do you ever feel pressure, not from your heart, God, or whatever, but from the people to vote a certain way based on your, you being a pastor? Mm -hmm. Also, have you ever have you ever struggled with making a, a decision because you wanted to vote your way in your heart, but you ended up voting based on what you thought people would say? Yeah, there's a, a couple things. I, I remember when I was campaigning, um, the second time around and I encountered a lady who was, you know, a black woman mm -hmm. and she said, well, I'll vote for you if you vote the Bible. <laughs> and I was like, well, what? 
what does that mean? Like, well, you gonna vote the Bible? I was like, I mean, what, what can you help explain yeah, what, that? What, what and that mean? was what she was stuck on. And what I think we fail to realize as Americans that there is something called the separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. And separation of church and state is so key because what that means is the government can't force a religious belief down the throats of the people. Because what if the government doesn't agree with your religion and they start forcing that? That's, exactly. that's how I look at it. When, like, when we look at history and why the United States was created, they came over to America to escape religious persecution. Mm-hmm. In London, in Great Britain, uh, the state is run by the Anglican Church. Yeah. Even now, even today, they have bishops who sit in the House of Lords who are called the Lord Spiritual, who vote on legislation. Um, and so it's what the church wants is what happens. Yeah. So they came over to America to say, uh-uh, to we want that. freedom. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very, very careful that we don't legislate theology mm-hmm. or legislate morality from a religious background. Because while you may be a Christian legislator, what of your religious belief doesn't offend a Muslim constituent of yours or a Jewish constituent of yours? And so we have to be very, very careful what? when we get into this concept that we have to vote the Bible or we mm-hmm. have to legislate the Bible. And I challenge many of my Christians by saying, you know, Jesus was the one who said, my kingdom is not of this world, mm-hmm. but I will come back and establish it. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm coming back. He didn't tell you to create legislation <laughs> <laughs> about the Bible. That's what, some, so sometimes I think about that. I'm like, because like, like you said, it's gotten so mushed together and muddled and people get mad. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they, they can't possibly be this because they voted this or yeah. whatever. But and I, and I think you don't me, think God is strong? Like, yeah, like to yeah. me, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> my, my thing, my thing, my thing is this, you know, I am a Christian pastor and I believe what I'm fighting for has been ingrained in me from my Christian belief. But I also want to make sure that everyone has the freedom to choose the way they want to worship mm-hmm. or choose the way they want to believe. And so a lot of times I get a lot of pushback from Christians, of course, being a pastor and voting pro-choice, yeah. you know, uh, protecting a woman's right to choose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're demonic. I've had people who have De- called me evil. Oh, well, listen, <laughs> I've been around this man and his energy. That, there's nothing, no. I but, but, I can, but I can tell you I have, I have sensed a little demonic spirit in some people who you do think are very Christian. godly and yeah. Christian. So and, you know, when it, crazy when it comes to that issue, I ask people, Deuteronomy, I think it's 3019, uh, the Bible says, choose life that your children might live. Mm-hmm. And that to me says, okay, God, you know, wants us to choose life, mm-hmm. but it's key. He said, choose. choose. So if God so gives choice. us choice, who is the government to take choice away? Mike, <laughs> I wish, I can't drop the mic because it's up here, but mic drop, mic drop. You've also um, been a been a advocate for the ratifying the Equal Rights, equal rights Amendment, yep. which is um, trying to add in things to help trans people and women in general genders uh, women and genders and uh, equal pay Mm -hmm. things like Mm -hmm. that um so i would imagine that one would be big of course outside of that the way that i actually got to meet him in person was um through activism and he was at protests and then you know i would speak at an event and he would be there or whatever and i'm gonna share a video that he did where he was speaking. He was kind of directing it to um, pastors and it really touched me and I'll tell you why after. We're gonna go ahead and go into that in a minute. This was at a Black Lives Matter um, local rally here. Grassroots, not the organization. (laughs) 
Just got now. Nowadays, you gotta say that. I don't. <laughs> Today is Sunday. There's a statement that said 11, 11 a.m. on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in the United States. Some of you worship on Fridays. Some of you worship on Saturdays. But today, many worship on Sundays. Can I get any of the pastors that are in the, in the audience today just to raise your hand? My pastor's out there. Hey, Pastor Mays. Any pastors who are here today? I want you to take notice that there are pastors who have issued statements who have made judgments and made and called out right and called out injustices and unrighteousness. But there have also been pastors who have remained silent. The people who are supposed to lead the people of God have remained silent. And so if you have raised up your voices, we appreciate you and we thank you. But I want to read a scripture that I didn't realize was in the Bible. And I, I'm a preacher and I didn't realize this scripture was in the Bible. So when I read this, if you are here with us today and you are a preacher, it doesn't apply to you. If you issued a statement from your church, this doesn't apply to you. But if you have been silent and you're watching this from the shadows, this scripture applies to you. Amos chapter 5, verse 21, and I'm reading out of the Message Bible. I really like the Message Bible. It says, I can't stand your religious leaders. I am fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans and your goals. I am sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relation meetings and your image making. And I've had it all that I could take up of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I really want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. If you are a pastor and you are not here, and you refuse to lift up the theology of Imago Dei, Imago Dei is simply a Latin phrase which means the image of God, that each and every one of us, despite where we came from, what we look like, or how we were raised, carry the image of God. If your theology does not continue to push the fact that we all look like God, your theology is whack. If you live a theology that teaches that certain groups of people are worth more than other groups of people, your theology is whack. If you refuse to protect all individuals, your theology is whack. If you refuse to stand with us today as we decree and declare that black lives matter, your theology is whack. And if all lives really do matter, everybody wouldn't be out here right now. So we appreciate you, pastors, ministers, imams, rabbis, bishops, apostles, who have joined with us today, who have raised up your voices because you are truly doing the word of God. But prayer, as we stood here today, is two parts. The ancient African Americans and the ancient Africans over in Africa would say, you got to pray while your feet are moving. In other words, you have some work to do in order for your faith to live. Faith without works is dead. So now that you prayed, we appreciate you. Now that you've a protested, we appreciate you. Now that you've retweeted and reposted on social media, we appreciate you. But now it's time to get to work. 
We got some work to do, y'all. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, that one particularly touched me because I felt like it was it wasn't too long. It was short, sweet, concise, but it was a modernized version, cliff note like modernized of uh, Martin Luther King's letter to Birmingham. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're familiar with that, he was upset. He was in the Birmingham jail. He was upset, and he was talking to pastors who were acting lukewarm. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how you, you, you have to rise up and speak out, and that's kind of what you did. And it's sad that we're still in that same, in place. That same place. And it's not just in the um, religious community. It's everyone. Everyone's kind of numb or either don't care. And um, we definitely need people to speak up about that. So how has you, how have um, you being involved in... Um, I'm not saying that you've been involved in like um, activism as if you're organizing rallies, but you have definitely come through to support, to make speeches, to talk to the crowds, things like that. You also were out there with us last summer and encountered some stuff that wasn't right, you know. Um, how has that affected you politically, though? Because I would imagine, because we're doing so much to change and change the infrastructure of the um political process in America mm -hmm. that you got a lot of opposition probably. Yeah. Do they say stuff to you or do you hear whispers behind your back? I get it all. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, like, like I was telling you just a few <clears throat> seconds ago that there are people who've called me evil to my face. They said I'm demonic. Demonic. That's crazy. Um, we've received voicemails of people calling me the N word. Oh um, yeah. Those are my favorites. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> like people don't breathe on a phone. Like let's say 1983. We've had, um, a, a, a uh, a member of the state senate who's currently running for governor has doxed my house online. Um, and you Are know, you serious? I'm serious, yeah. It was so much that was going on during this whole time. And it's uh, it's been interesting that I would never think that, you know, in 2020, 2021, mm -hmm. that as a black legislator, just as a black you man, still have to deal, still with, have to deal with this. You know, we, we saw what happened... Um, uh, with the lieutenant and the police officer, a similar situation happened to me mm -hmm. in the city of Fredericksburg. Yep. And um, I literally told, you know, a group of students, I said, you know, no matter how high you get, no matter where you go, they will still see you as just another N-word. Mm -hmm. And a white politician was in the room and was like, I'm offended by that. How dare you say that? I said, and the fact well, that well, you were offended. <laughs> Sorry. The fact that you were offended by that proves my point. Um, you're offended by that statement, but you're not offended by the fact that I even have to feel that, that way. Yeah. That's a yeah, problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, um, every single day, you know, I put on my shoes and, you know, people are just like, you know, I, I, you get a lot of money. You do all this. You just do this for money. And delegates don't get paid a lot of money. We get paid $17,000 a year. <laughs> he said you get a lot of they get, People are funny. And, but one of the things that brings me great joy is even through it all. Even the people who give us opposition, and I've been telling a lot of people that, you know, some people want to change the system. And I tell them, you know, the system is working. It's not broken. Mm -hmm. It's doing exactly, exactly what it was designed, designed to, to do. do. I tell people that all the time. And so we have to fix the, we have to repair and create something new out of this. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have so many great voices. We have uh, three black people running for governor right now. Mm. We have, I think, three black people running for lieutenant governor. We have a young black man running for attorney general. We literally have the opportunity so to So everybody shake it get out, out and vote. <laughs> and research. Find out. Because all skin folk ain't kinfolk. Yeah. So do the I'm research. Glad you you said know? That. All, all, 
All skin folk ain't kin folk. And so we, but the diverse diversifying who's representing in the area exactly. will bring in a lot more change and we need revolution. And, and representation matters. Yes. Um, and I keep telling people this because of uh, the change in the General Assembly from 2015 to 2017, there has been different conversations. Uh, you know, in 2015, while we had black legislators, they didn't have enough backing. They didn't yeah, have enough They didn't want to say nothing. Now we walk in, we got, we rolled 21 deep. You know, in the House of Delegates. And so when we bring up That's legislation amazing. like the Crown Act, where women cannot, black or brown uh, men and women can't be fired for having dreads or wearing their natural haircuts. Thank you. Well, it was introduced years before. It never made it out of committee. Now it passed and the governor gladly signed it. Uh, we can have the conversation where we can say black and brown people and white people smoke marijuana just at the same amount, but black people are charged and sent to jail at higher rates. They were like, no, that is, that's not true. That's not <laughs> true. But then we do a study, a state approved and state funded study that prove what we've been saying it. for years. The conversation changes because representation matters. And yes, people who don't know that, people were being fired for having natural hair, afros, locks, mm -hmm. although I don't say dreads, but it's okay. But I say <laughs> locks. <laughs> All those things. Um, so yes, that is very true. And yes, the statement you made about the marijuana um, laws were true too. I'm very happy that you were a key um, person in voting and helping in that area. Everybody knows, I, you know, Smoke weed every day. I do. <laughs> but my doctor approves and it helps my lupus. It does. I'm not even joking. It helps my lupus. She is happy. I'll be oh, on, I would be on 15 pills if I didn't smoke weed. Wow. You better you wow. better you better know it. I take one injection and I smoke. But anyways, um actually I do edibles, but anyways. anyways. But anyway, so that the, the marijuana thing is the one that everyone's talked about. It's about the session. Like yeah. and I'm like, there's all kinds of other things that got passed too, but everybody's talking about it. That one is a huge step. My only issue, and I want to ask you about that, is the the whole, of course, we want to be able to enjoy it freely or whatever, but mm -hmm. my biggest thing for that was because of the um, disparities in arrest, mm -hmm. um, of being able to say, oh, I smell something, let me pull you over. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also know once it gets into the court system, black males are um, usually sentenced longer yep. than the white. So, so, so the whole process gets you know crazy. But from what I understand, and maybe you can explain it to me, what passed was that they can be sold. Mm -hmm. You know, they can start making well, like dispensaries. We adult, well, so the way that it goes, this bill. Okay. Um, and so people thought I hopped on the brand wagon this year, but I actually carried the legislation in 2020 mm -hmm. with Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy to legalize in 2020. They told us, nope, we're not going to do that this year. Mm -hmm. We're going to decriminalize. We're going to come back next year and legalize. So um, there was some concern in the legislation as it was initially passed. Um, and so I think I was only one of few of the black caucus members who actually voted in favor of it mm -hmm. because many of them were just like, you know, this is going to hurt us more than it's going to help us. And I said, well, I'm going to vote in favor of it because I want it to pass. Mm -hmm. And then if it does pass, we need to hound the governor's office okay. because of everything that happened with his scandal a couple of years ago, he made a promise to look out <laughs> for the black and brown yes. communities. So I was like, hey, we pass it, and then he, we and hold and his he, hand to the fire. Been, I, I've been seeing that, and I'm like, they ain't there working. <laughs> I've been seeing that. I was like, he did that, you know, he had a little fumble, whatever, mm -hmm, whatever. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh, he's really trying. Because also the criminal justice reform, all that stuff. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Because all of those things affect me. I have loved ones in jail. Mm -hmm. I have loved ones in prison who are calling me. Oh, well, they passed it. They talk about this in here, 50%, 65%. I'm like, hold on, let me go look. So I go and look, and I'm like, I'll try to figure out what it means. So 
those things really have real impact on families. These yes. people have children. Yes. And some, I'm not talking about killers, rapists. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people. Small things. Yeah, small yeah. things. Who and it's crazy. It stays crazy. on their record for the rest of their lives. Crazy. So I, I co-patron with uh, Delegate Charnel Herring, who's the majority leader in the House. Uh, the automatic expert, uh, um, automatic expungement. Of, of issues that, you know, they were either dismissed or no lay prosecutor or different things mm -hmm. like that. People don't even know if you get a case that's dismissed, you think it's gone. Mm -hmm. No, it stays on your record. You have to go to court, get a lawyer, and go through the whole process. When you pull it up, process. it looks like you have all these charges, even if it's, yeah. 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 And so we passed a bill that automatically expunges that. That's because there awesome. are some people who are afraid, well, can I apply for a job? Mm -hmm. Can I apply to school? Even though, and it's still on their record. So we wanted to help people out. Um, the legalization bill goes into effect on July, July 1 yeah. of this year, and it legalizes uh, ownership of an ounce, um, adult sharing, so don't be out there selling it. Sharing share service. It. <laughs> sharing. Look at D.C. Sharing service. Y'all got to share it. Um, and also the ability to own up to four plants in your home or your, your own, in your background. Your own babies. <laughs> Don't bother and, nobody. Uh, just stay in your house. And so we, when we initially passed the bill, it didn't go into effect until 2024. Mm -hmm. So folks were out there celebrating. It smelled like D.C. And I was like, y'all, I don't know if you can hear me, but it ain't legal yet. <laughs> no, but you know why? You know why? Because everybody was saying, man, it's just a $25 fine. And I'm like, based on how much you got, like, what are you doing? And if yeah. you got anything else going on, they're going to get you for that. <laughs> hey, so Ronnie, thank you I for tuning to make in. Sure, you know, some people didn't know, but I was like, hey, governor. Uh, we need July 1st. We need July 1st. And so there were a bunch of groups who partnered up, you know, shout out to the ACLU, mm -hmm. um, Mar Marijuana Justice out of Richmond, Virginia, all these groups who lobbied the governor's office, who mm -hmm. reached out and said, These are, this is what's going to happen if you wait until 2024. Um, and then we still have some work to do. Um, one of the things that I've been saying, and I've even got pushback on this, um, I say that, you know, all the um, entrepreneurs who've been out on the street for years, who've been getting in trouble, we want to make sure that they have their hand in the pot, that they get their piece of the pie. And we don't want to make, we don't want to ensure that um, uh, Altria and Philip Morris jump into the thing and make it a monopoly, just like Dominion and all these other companies. We want to make sure these people who we've been throwing in jail for years, they're able to be legal they already, know, they already know how to do exactly. it. That's, that's what I'm exactly. saying. It's like, and I'm glad that you said that because that's my issue. Um, my biggest issue was that when I read it, it was, it was the way I read it was that okay, we're going to have it, the legalization in July 1st, but the stuff that dealt with the criminal aspect is not going to be until next year, yeah, we but still it's not in stone yet, yeah. right? And one of the other concerns that I was having was, you know, all the different things that were in there, the charges of different things. And, um, a, uh, a policy person had to shed some light to me. There's charges and different things out there for alcohol and for smoking. Mm -hmm. But because they've been on the books for so long, we forgot about it. Oh, and because yeah. this is new, we're all focusing on it. But it's still the same things that are out there for, you know, drinking and driving or, you know, different things, smoking under, you know, different yeah, things like that. That you have to have And so guidelines. while I was up in arms, I was kind of like, okay, but we can still work it out. We can still, you know, go back into Richmond and, and change legislation. That's the important thing about having, you know, good people that you like. Don't not show up and not vote because if they're doing good work, you want to continue to send continue them back it. to Richmond so we can keep to continue to do the work. So the bill, when it passed, of course, it's not perfect, mm -hmm. but we think that the governor's amendment made it a little bit better than what we initially passed out of the house. Mm -hmm. And so we can go back to Richmond in January and tweak it and still work on some things. No, y'all been working. Yeah. Y'all been working. I'm like, oh, this, oh, yes. Oh, okay. 
I mean, all, and then, okay, so if you go on the governor's page and try to read the bills, it's so many. It. <laughs> and I'm like, how many times does this keep going? I was looking for um, just the, you know, the final say on the, um, not the mandatory minimums, the, the earn, uh, earn, earn credit. Time credit. Yeah, earn, yep. earn time sentence credit. Earn time sentence credit. Because it reads, uh, sometimes it's confusing. I'm trying to read it, you know. Mm -hmm. It took me forever to push that button to find it. And I was like, they've done all this work. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so we definitely appreciate that. Now, getting back to you kind of being um, a politician who did come out with different pastors mm -hmm. in as a politician at some of these protests and rallies that we were at and did, we are still in that same place now. Yeah. You, of course, yeah. you know that. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story, but um, Xavier Hill, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. his mother is grieving. She can't even, she can't mourn yeah. fully because she has no justice for her son and that that happened in Goochland County and um it happened in Virginia um we also know like the the army lieutenant we yep. saw that video mm -hmm. um there's uh Dante that that mm -hmm. one just happened there was a 13 year old boy yep. in Chicago. Chicago that I mean and they tried to lie and cover it up so mm -hmm. we we've seen anybody who denies there's a problem is Definitely suffering from cognitive dissonance. There's no question about it. You don't want to see it. You're stuck in a different world. Yeah. But we're seeing that this is going on. And if anything, it seems like it's ramping up even more and more and more. As a delegate, <clears throat> what are you planning to do or push for to, um, if you get reelected yeah. the next time in that? I have to ask that question. Absolutely. Um, we had a whole special session over the past, last summer. Um, Due to the George Floyd situation, the speaker, the governor called us into special session and said, hey, I got COVID and we got police and mm -hmm. I need you to handle it. Mm -hmm. um, and Virginia has become a leader in the nation for what we've been able to do. We've created um, the, the Marcus Alert, which was after the Marcus David Peters situation in mm -hmm. the city of Richmond, um, stating that community care teams have to be dispatched when police officers are dispatched if it's a mental health crisis that's going on. Um, which was a big issue, yeah. definitely. Still and is, but you know, is. Getting, getting worked out. We also implemented um, community review boards for police departments. Um, and each locality gets to set up how those are going to be set up. And we give a shout out to Alexandria. I think this past week they just approved one of the strongest CRBs in the state. Um, mm. uh, uh, review, community review, um, subpoena power and everything. So the city of Alexandria just approved one of the strongest CRBs in the Commonwealth this past week. Um, but we still have a lot to do. Um, you'll hear the Republicans talking about the Democrats want to defund the police. Um, as the Democrats in Virginia, it is a little bit of concern to me, but I understand some of the reasons we did it. We gave the hugest, the largest increase to police budget in the past year. Mm -hmm. We also gave a raise to police. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do think we need to take a look into that. Why did, um, you, why did you feel, or you and whoever voted for that, that they should have a increase in their budget? And I'm going to tell you my position. Mm -hmm. When I say defund the police, I mean when we're talking about revolution. Because something that started as slave catchers can't, it's not, it's not going to ever fully correct itself, in Absolutely. my opinion. So I would love to pour those those resources back into the community. Of course, we're all smart, I would hope. <laughs> that don't mean take every police officer off. I mean, my uncle, who um, is a retired police officer, like, that doesn't mean take everybody off, but do I believe that they need tanks? No, mm -hmm. I don't believe in all that stuff. And I, I don't understand 
rewarding them with a bigger budget when so far throughout this country mm -hmm. we have seen an abuse of power, yep. corruption, Absolutely. all types of things. So can you please break that down for me and the audience of why you think that they would need a budget and a raise? Yeah. Considering, like I said, we have Xavier Hill. Um, if you don't know who Xavier Hill is, please check that out. Hashtag justice for Xavier. Yes. Um, but we have things going on in Virginia. Mm -hmm. So why did y'all feel they needed more money? Yeah. And so, so you know, some people may disagree with my standing. Um, one of the things that needed to happen, you know, the Republicans are out here screaming and hollering, back the blue, back the blue. Yeah. But this is the first time we've been able to give state troopers and police officers a raise in who knows how many years. So do the Republicans really back the blue? Or is that just a political stunt that they're we, pulling? We, we already know that. Um, one of the they didn't reasons, back them at the Capitol. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of the reasons that I, I, I am concerned with the, the increase in the budget is because of what we're seeing. Um, there was a particular bill that would have created a fund for body cam data storage money. That, for police okay, officers. that I understand. Now, I voted against that. You, okay. The reason why I voted against that is because we had increased the budget by so much. Already. Don't tell me you can't afford to store data when you got a beer can you and you have, roll out armored okay. vehicles. So, if you really wanted to afford data, you could. Okay. So, that was one of the reasons why I voted against that. Now, every, I was the only person out of all 100 members that voted against that. And that was my statement. You know, we have given y'all so much money. Don't tell me you need more money to store data. You can rearrange the money somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and another fact is we do need to take a look at these inflated budgets that these police officers are receiving, and we need to pour it into the community. That's what Police officers is. are not marriage counselors. Police officers are not <laughs> babysitters. Police officers are not psychologists. And we have put all of this on police officers. And I said on the Public Safety Committee, they are supposed to protect and serve. We are putting so much on them. Mm -hmm. And it's hardening for them. They go home and they have to do it. And some people are like, well, they can leave the force. I'm, yeah, I'm sure they could if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. But we have put so much on them. And then, you know, we're looked as the enemies on the Democratic side because we want to say we want to help the community. We want to help public safety. And the Republicans are just screaming and hollering on the wave mm -hmm. of the people who are like, let's hold them accountable. And I've said it. We just want to hold people accountable. But, but why, why do those people who haven't been held accountable for so long, why do you feel, and you know, whoever else voted, that they deserved a bigger budget? I still don't understand. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's why I said that was part of our concern. Um, and I could have just simply, that was a part of what's called the, the state budget. And we normally vote in mass on the state budget. Yeah, like when you, you vote for the education, you vote yeah. for... Okay. And so I could have just abstained from voting from the state budget, but then that's me voting from increasing money for the housing authority. That's mm -hmm. me voting against So it's things. all together. It's all in oh, the state Oh, maybe budget. that should be separated. And, I didn't know that that was all and together. And for me, I'm not on the, uh, the appropriations committee. Now, yeah. the members of the appropriations committee, they, they vote on the okay. individual things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with me, I voted in solidarity on the... Budget yeah, because deal, so many other so things, much things are in there. That that's something that maybe in the future yeah. it would be nice to and, break it and, up. And that's why I said it does concern me that we increase the budget as much as it's been increased. We do need to take a look at now. I'll I'll be the one. You, mm -hmm. You'll never hear me say defund the police because mm -hmm. people don't understand that terminology. Yeah, they don't. But I know. we do I need to look into the inflated budget and figure out how we can resource that money. How can we look at school resource officers not just taking kids out because Virginia used to be one in the school to prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. They are in there to protect from danger coming into the school. It's the job That's of the principal. That's not been my experience with them. Oh, I, 
Mm-hmm. I used to be a, yep. a, a school uh, administrator, you know, not, not administrator, but I was a behavior aide yep. in the Richmond City Public Schools. So I saw it. We want to make sure that discipline is handled by the principals. It's not handled by school resource officers. Mm-hmm. You know, just because a boy punches a locker doesn't mean he needs to be taken out of school in, in handcuffs. Yeah, someone needs to take him on a walk and someone mm-hmm. needs to decompress with him. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have these conversations with people don't want to have the conversations. It's easier to just be politically savvy and say, these people are attacking the police or these people don't support the blue or we're backing the blue because you're willing to march with them, mm-hmm. but you're not giving them the support they need and other things. Yeah, so are you really backing them? Yeah, and so all of this has to be considered and you raised a very key and point your point. They will tell you mm-hmm. that when we came to America and the House of Burgesses organized, the House of Burgesses is mm-hmm. what the House of Delegates came from. Mm-hmm. When we organized the Sheriff's Department, it was to be slave catchers. Sure was. And so we have to make sure we understand our history because if you don't know your history, you're going to keep repeating it over it. and over again. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of a cycle we're stuck in. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, and I say this for, I feel like Americans, all of us, I don't care what class you come from or race gender whatever when you get in contact with people from other countries you realize how stubborn and selfish we can be to a certain extent absolutely um so sometimes it's hard convincing people to change their mind about something a statement such as black lives matter i don't care what you feel about the initial organization but that shouldn't have a rebuttal yeah and that's not a rebuttal defund the police people act like they don't understand Oh, I just want to take every single cop away. Well, if a person feels that every every cop needs to go away, there shouldn't be anything, they're not being realistic because there are serial killers. There yeah. are, like, we do need, you know, certain things. We do. And you're going to call them if you need certain things. Um, well, certain people will. I, I really don't call the police. I really don't. <laughs> you trauma. It's I a don't. I don't thing. call the police. I've yeah. had too many crazy experiences. But if, um, you know, something happens somewhere, people usually will. I probably call the police if they did some somebody did some of my business in a business setting, but not at a home. I yeah. just wouldn't. And, and I think for me, you and know, we I, need to fix that. Yeah, and I got a lot of pushback when I was talking about you know the Xavier Hill thing on mm-hmm. on social media, and there's been some great support behind that. And then some people was like, he pointed a gun at the police. I said, well, first of all, there have been people we you know the video won't clear. You you they you said the thirteen year old boy did too. And and this is what was really sad is that you know we just saw an older white man who uh, spit at police officers, drove off with the police officers hanging at, on the truck, yep. and they arrested him. Yep. Dylan Booth was taken to Burger King and arrested. Yep. All we're asking for is the same we want to be treated equal. Don't shoot at us and then try to figure out what yep. happened. Take us in like you Don't be judge and jury. Don't, don't send us to death. All in 30 seconds. That, don't that's do that. all we're asking for. Um, and with the Xavier Hill situation, because I've had people tell me that too. Mm-hmm. I, I get it like, well. And it, sometimes it's us. You know, yeah. our skin. Well, they said. Well, they said. Yeah. And we know that there are honest people and there are people who are dishonest. What I saw was a video that you couldn't make out, which would have been great if they had body camps. So yeah. that, to me, that was boom. There's an issue there. Mm-hmm. Then I saw once, unfortunately, he was killed, they couldn't find the gun at first. Yep. So in my head, if he had a gun pointed, why, was it so, why did it take so long to find it? And having a gun in a car... It, while it may be, I don't know if it was registered, whatever, legal, not legal, you, you don't know at that moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's not your job to kill someone because yeah. of that. It's not okay to kill someone just because they ran. Like, it's, it, it's not. But because we have this mindset that we'll even, we'll even see somebody murdered and say, well, they shouldn't have resisted. Mm-hmm. To me, and I'm going to say this. That's complacency. 
Exactly. Yeah. But if anyone in this country should should be be understood when they run from the police, it's black people. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like it it really it it really is. And it, that might be hard for some people out there um, watching to stomach. Um, a lot of people feel me. They know exactly what, why I say that. And we have to really change that because you know, we have to get to a place where we can change it. You know, people will talk about, you know, how we ought to act and how we should act. And, you know, I'm, I'm privileged at this point as an elected official. We have specific tags. Mm-hmm. And so when I drive, I don't have to worry about being pulled over. And if I do get pulled over because of my tags, I know. They can that, play on me like, oh, thank you, delegate. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, sometimes drive my mom's car that don't have state tags on it. And I live in fear if a police officer is behind me or pulls up beside me i have to make sure you know i'm sitting Mm -hmm. like this i want to make sure turn the radio down down because you never know what can happen you never know you never know who's going to be uh the next george floyd or the next alton sterling or something like that and we shouldn't have to live in fear like that Mm -mm. it's really sad in america that that we've come to this place thank you guys for for definitely pushing for that so another thing that you um helped push through recently is that you helped um, with voting for the first black woman judge yes. <laughs> in, uh, how do you say it? The 15th. Judicial Circuit That's 15th. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. Well, that, that, that district, I'm sorry, that uh, circuit is Spot, um, Stafford, Fredericksburg, and Spotsylvania. It goes all the way down to like Hanover, I believe. Too. Oh, it does? So it's pretty big. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the um, many people don't know. In other states, if you're coming from you know North Carolina or other states, most judges are elected by you know the general population. Mm-hmm. But in Virginia, it's the General Assembly who appoints judges from the Supreme Court of Virginia all the way down to the JDR courts. Yeah. And for years, that's just been the best friends and the good old boy network of the delegates and the senators. Mm-hmm. So when we took the majority in January of last year, we were like, we want to revamp the judicial system and we want to put in judges who are going to be for criminal justice reform. Um, and so the first year we were in, we appointed the black, the first black judge in Spotsylvania County, the Honorable Marcel Jones. Wow. That was the big thing that we did for us. Um, Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy and I, we fought to make sure uh, that Judge Jones could get appointed in Spotsylvania County. We came back again um, this year and we appointed um, Jane Reynolds mm-hmm. and she gets to serve all of the different courts. So she'll be switching between Stafford, Spotsylvania and Fredericksburg, but she's the first black woman in the who knows how wow. long the history of the judicial system um, in there. And so we were really excited um, just to see that happens because, you know, most of the time uh, there was a comment on social media that was like, I ain't never seen that many black people in the courthouse unless they were in handcuffs. <laughs> Uh, and it's so, funny, but it's great. Too. But it's, it's, a great it's changing statement. now yeah, yeah. because you have someone that you were nervous. You get in the court, you look, and you see somebody, and it's someone who looks like you, and you would hope they would understand your situation. That they would wrong, at least be fair. Exactly. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. They pass the judgment, but you know if. So they're not going to say, I'm going to give you five times more. The, exactly. That's what we and, get in fear and of. we interviewed Judge Reynolds. We put her through the ringer, and we have hope to believe that she's going to do a great job. Um, and one of our delegates in, in Richmond, who's really big on criminal justice reform, we had a judge, a lawyer who came in to get interviewed. And um, he said, he, the delegate asked him, do you believe in the school to prison pipeline? He's like, no. He's like, all right, it's a no in my book. He said he don't believe it? He doesn't believe in the oh. school to prison pipeline. So he said, it's a no in my book. 
somehow he still made it onto the ballot for us to vote in the House. Mm -hmm. And the delegate pleaded his case. He said, I just want to let you know, if we're talking about criminal justice reform, this is a judge who does not believe in the school to prison pipeline, which means he's not going to understand mm -mm. the plight of black and brown kids when they come up in uh, the criminal justice system. Yep. And he said, I would plead with my colleagues to not vote in favor of this judge. Needless to say, that judge didn't get appointed. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. No, all those, all those steps, we say small steps, I know they're big mm -hmm. when you do them, mm -hmm. but those things matter. Those things really, really matter. And then in dealing with, um, you know, the courts and criminal justice, like I said, I have loved ones in incarcerated and there is a situation with this local jail here yeah. with Rappahannock Regional Jail. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's from here knows they have very inhumane things going on there. This is not his opinion. This is my opinion. And I know it's for a fact. Um, there's been too many people I know who have been there who have told me stories, all colors, all whatever. Um, and I'm not going to take this podcast to talk about what's going on there, but there's a lot of stuff going on at that jail. And from what I understand, that jail is also owned by um, retired judges and things in the area. So there could be like a conflict of interest there. But as far as I know, that's not in your district. It is. It is? Yep. I didn't know it was all the way up there. Yep. It's in my district. So where does, oh, I'm sorry. Where does the 20th? You're talking about RRJ, right? Yeah. yeah. Where does the 20th district um, um, end at? I didn't know that. Oh, oh you, you don't mess up now. I'm yeah. calling The city of Fredericksburg <laughs> all the way to Aquia Harbor in North Stafford. Oh. And um, I'm on the public safety committee. Okay. And so we have direct oversight of the jails, mm -hmm. the police, and the sheriff's departments in the state. So you can trust and believe I've already been over there. Okay. Okay, yeah. and are you guys working to do anything to change the situation? Yeah. Over so there? a lot of the major problems that are coming in there is it's overcrowded because the Department of Corrections and some of the federal uh, have not pulled the, their the DLC. Yeah, their in, uh, uh, people in, and so we've been working hard with the um, Secretary of Public Safety to hey, we need you to move these people, but COVID has restricted a lot of the things. They're mm -hmm. like you know. DOJ, DOC is like, you know, we're not taking if they've been exposed to COVID or we got to wait or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's a list of people who've already been identified who are eligible for early release. If the jail had the ability to just release them, that would be great. But they have to get approval from each individual person from DOC first. And that's what they're waiting on is for DOC to give the approval. But that still does not... Uh, uh, give justification or okay what's going on on the inside. Okay, I wanted to uh, so, thank you because I was like, that's true, but yeah, there's yeah. other things that they, they need to really yeah. have fixed. And I feel like the fish sinks from the head down. Yeah, and so we, we've had a conversation with the superintendent over there. We've talked with him. Um, I have one of my staff members who has an update with him every week. And is um, Mr. Hudson giving you guys any type of solutions that have been enacted? Because I... What I my experience is he he has like a you know statement he needs to give and we're public so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen a lot of change there yeah. and this has been going on before COVID yeah and so that's that's what we've been hearing um and so when I went and I'm gonna tell you when I went I didn't see anything but you know they you know, oh, people they, can put on Ritz when of course the, the, the delegate comes in for you <laughs> they know they know but it I had to get information from It'd people be like Joe first. Clark Code <laughs> <laughs> ten. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and so uh, when I went in there, I said, hey, these are the concerns that I'm getting, you know, and he, you know, he attempted to share, you know, this is what's going on. This is what we're trying to do. But a lot of things, our hands are tied. Yeah. Um, and then he also, you know, 
different people have also shared, you know, sometimes it's some exaggerations. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people who are there and they're experiencing it, their experiences can be different because it's really traumatizing to mm-hmm. be there. Um, and especially because of COVID, you have to be locked down. Mm-hmm. It could be traumatizing. But the and lockdowns so, were happening before COVID and the lockdowns are happening because they don't have enough COs. And when they send them to the academy, they lock them down because this has been going, my brother was there for years before he got sent to prison. He was begging to go to prison. Wow. And this was ha- this this stuff. A lot of the stuff that they say is COVID was already happening. Mm. Some of it is exaggeration, I'm sure, when certain things. But I have, I've had so many of the same complaints from people who don't know each other yep. that it has to it be true. Lines up, Absolutely. and also from COs who used to work there. Absolutely. So there needs to be something that's done. I do understand. Like some people mm-hmm. are going to be whatever. But women should not be bleeding on the floor and, yeah. and begging for pads. So we, like those we type did of pass be going uh, on. legislation to ensure that they received free feminine hygiene project products mm-hmm. while they're in there. Um, I can't remember if we did that last year or this mm-hmm. year, but that should not be a problem either. But they don't get them. Yeah. <laughs> That's the pro- like begging for them. Mm-hmm. And if th- that's just one thing, but like they and then if they do, they get like two, you know, like 20, 20 per month. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're me, I, there's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So how can you say a person should only be able to get this? Then you shut down Oasis, different things like that. Like you, We have to start being able to look at people like humans because there are people in there who haven't even went to court yet. Absolutely. So I know in the comments on like the freelance star, people are like, well, you play stupid games. You win. But some people, people don't right. understand. There's people in there who haven't even went to court. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But I will say, I did not know that was in... See, because I'm, I'm concerned about my district, and then I think about Fredericksburg. I did not know. So yep. that makes me happy that mm-hmm. you are somebody who is actually helping and and on that board and to if, look if, at things. If anyone is is watching today, um, and you have family members in some of these um, institutions that is a state run, mm-hmm. please don't hesitate to reach out to us, and we'll make sure at the end of the show we share my information. Yes. But, um, as a member of the Public Safety Committee, we have direct oversight of the police departments, the sheriff's departments. And the jails and the prisons in Virginia. Well, that is that is dope. So I'm really that I learned something, <laughs> and I'm really excited on the inside. Um, so also one last thing. So you're going to be going well. Two last things. You're going to be going to um. You're, well, you are starting to, for re-election, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when will you start your campaigning? So we've kind of technically already started. Um, there is what's called the primary. We're in what's called primary season. Yeah. So this is where all the Republicans and all the Democrats are running against each other to determine who's going to make it to the general election in November. And I don't have a primary. I haven't been primary. So right now I'm helping, you know, support a lot of my friends who may be primary. You know, I'm doing my shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend, Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy, is running for governor. Um, and I'm her campaign chair. So we Say want to make sure. Say your name again. Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy. Okay. Uh, the primary is on June 8th. Early voting starts on April the 28th. Um, and so we're trying to get Lottie Dottie and everybody to go vote for Jennifer. Um, <laughs> we have some. We have two great black women running for governor. Um, but we would have the first black woman governor in mm. U.S. history. In U.S. And history. And the first woman governor in Virginia history. But mm. not just that. She's qualified. She's, yeah. she's the one who helped pass the Crown Act. Mm-hmm. She's the one that helped pass the ERA. She's a former, um, excuse me, not former, she still is, you know, a defense, uh, a public defender. Um, and so she's coming with a wealth of knowledge. She knows how to bring coalitions together. Um, and so we have a primary in June 8th. Do the research, find out what district you're in, find out who's running um, in, your, in your primary, get behind them and support them. And then don't give up. 
come back in November because November is the big election. That's mm -hmm. when one, all 100 seats of the House of Delegates are up. The governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general is, is up. And one thing I can tell you, you know, despite what party you are, we can see Virginia heading in the right direction. You know, after 25 years, even though we've had Democratic governors, we've been under 25 years of Republican rule in the House of Delegates. Mm -hmm. And just in a matter of two years, we've shaken things up. And if you like what we're doing and you want to continue to see what we're doing, mm -hmm. we need you to come back out and support us again on November the 8th. For sure. <laughs> And one of the things that you're pushing for is a change in infrastructure with transportation. Absolutely. Because we know we, we we already know how our traffic is. Yep. Whether you're watching us live or on any of the um on YouTube or Spotify, Apple in a couple of days, Virginia traffic is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I I know that you said that you are um a uh, supporter of us building a new line. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So transportation is key. Um, uh, Virginia, especially from Washington, D.C. here to Fredericksburg, it's reported in 2018, I believe, that we have the worst traffic in America mm -hmm. in 2018. From D.C. to Fredericksburg, worse than L.A. Mm -hmm. In 2019, another report came out and said we have the most expensive commute in America. Oh, Lord. From I Washington, didn't know that, that one came out. To Fredericksburg. And then last year, three years in a row, Another report came out and said the most cost or the most time consuming uh, uh, route in America is Washington, D.C. to Fredericksburg. Lord. And we have a lot of people who work in D.C. They're sluggers, they're commuters. And uh, what happens is on the local level, on the board of supervisors level, the city council level, all these people get in. Again, the good old boy network, because most mm -hmm. of us aren't really concerned about the board of supervisors or the city mm -hmm. council. They get in from just knowing people. And then they approve all these housing developments. All these people move down here. And then we Then traffic is backed up. But they don't increase budgeting for infrastructure, for public transportation, or widening the roads, or making sure they request the money from the state. Now, just so you know, the, the roads are maintained by the state. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with infrastructure on a state level. The Fredericksburg region is the third fastest growing region in the state. But when it comes to infrastructure and transportation funding, we're fifth in the state for funding. Mm. And that's because we do not come to the table with money. And so because we can't come to the table with money, we get pushed behind. And so my plan was to create a regional transportation authority, which would allow us to generate money in the region. So when we go to the state with projects, we come with money in hand and the state can look at us and say, oh, y'all got a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. We'll give you some money too. And that'll up us when it comes to transportation funding. And so that's one thing I'm fighting on. We try to do it. Uh, this session, we had some local uh, backfire and some people who didn't understand and they didn't like it, so we had mm, to pull it back. I'm surprised. I, I think every Virginian well, experienced somebody, it. Somebody is moving to Florida. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> they wanted to cause a lot of drama, so they're like, y'all deal with that traffic, but I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, but say, cause every, I think everybody in Virginia just, nobody like, usually disagrees. Like, our traffic just sucks. Yeah, and so as we somebody got a lot who, of work. As somebody who has sat in L.A. traffic, mm -hmm. our traffic is I worse. Have, yeah. And then you go to Atlanta, you're like, why is this moving? This is amazing. <laughs> so we got a lot of work to do. And I know yeah. there, are, there are plans in the area, you know, for maybe an additional uh, bridge across uh, the Rappahannock connecting Central Park to, to uh, 17. There's plans mm. for uh, 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 light rail through the region connecting the awesome. areas. There's re there's all these different plans out there where people have great plans. But we have to get in there, vote, vote and, and keep get supporting the money, you these know. people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you, and you, know, you guys do your part. You know, we got to definitely do that. Absolutely. So I have two questions for you and we're going to close out. These are general questions. First of all, you already know you got my vote again. <laughs> I appreciate you. I Thank you. <laughs> appreciate you for sure. And she has my vote too, because she's going to be 
the governor. Yes, I'm indeed. already saying it. I'm already <laughs> saying it. Um, and also, isn't wasn't she at the Juneteenth event? Which one did we? There was a couple of them that we had. Um, Algiers Diamond did one at the park. She was. Yes. Yeah, she yeah. was there. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, I introduced her. Yeah, yes. so I heard her speak. <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely start really, really, really looking yeah. at her. And yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely, I'm excited about that. She's a real deal. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't see right now because he has a hat on. I'm not going to make him take his hat off. But if you watch the pictures that were coming up behind us, can you pull up one of them pictures? <laughs> Let's get into it. And now I go to another one. I'm going to tell you which one so people can really see it. Can't see on that one. Go to the other one. All right, boom. All right, as you notice, he has the hard part. The, you know, the, the razor hard part there. Yeah, boom, that one too, okay? Y'all know my first job, my, my uh, salon, I have a salon, and I'm a hairstylist. Been around barbers and hairstylists for a long time. And I, I look at his picture, I'm like, he got a good barber. He really has a good barber. <laughs> got a little drip, got, got, you know, got his hair, hair done good and everything. So, because I am from that industry and I want to give your barber a shout out, who is your barber? So, my barber is Michael Israel. Okay. Uh, and at where is Kingdom he at? Barber Lounge in Salem Fields. In Salem Fields. Uh, and Mike is bad. He's been cutting my hair since 2015, ever since I moved back. And uh, when we're in session, we have, we hire middle schoolers to work for us oh, and uh, one of the pages came up to me and was like hey delegate cole we just want to let you know you got the best haircut of all the delegates <laughs> on the floor <laughs> i bet you you do though I, I, I'm, I'm even looking i'm like oh whoever's cutting his hair is doing a good job and that's good to know that he's local yep, and you know yep. right from right from around the area yep, yep. so y'all go check out mike il mike il israel at kingdom Cuts? Barber Lounge. Yep. Kingdom Cuts Barber Lounge. And because it's called Barber Lounge, that means that he probably got some fancy stuff in he here, here and there. Yep. He got some good so, services. Yeah. <laughs> so so y'all go in there and because self-love is the best love. And yes, go in there do. and treat yourself right. My last question, because I am a music head, but this is a hip-hop based podcast. Do you only listen to gospel music or do you like any, I know, right? <laughs> do you only listen to gospel music or do you also listen to some hip-hop? And if you don't Currently listening to hip hop, do you have a song that's a hip hop song from back in the day that you that's your favorite? So um, I listen to any and everything. Okay. Uh, but I was raised on "What's the Four One One" by Mary J. Okay. Um, you got it going on. <laughs> I got it going on. So okay, let me find out. So that was one of the old school ones that I have. Of course, I love Chance the Rapper. Uh, oh, yeah, and so my music style is eclectic. You know, mm -hmm. I'll be on my iPod, you know, on my phone, and it'll go from Kirk Franklin to Fred Hammond to Israel to mm -hmm. Chance to Bay mm -hmm. to. Uh, Dead mouse to some mm -hmm. uh, dubstep and everything else. My oh, music is okay. all. You, you, you were eclectic. <laughs> okay, but I know I know he knows it though, because I'll make references and he'll start laughing. So he already knows what the song is. He might not be you know listen to it all the time. But Chance is dope though. I really like I like yep. Chance's spirit. Yeah. If y'all yeah, don't yeah. if y'all don't follow Chance the rapper's Instagram or uh, Twitter all that stuff, he just has a good, him and his wife. I like them. They be goofy. He got a he got a big head on his body. <laughs> It's like a bobblehead a little bit, but I would tell him that to his face. It's okay. But Chance is a good spirit. I love it. Thank you so much for being Thank here. It's been appreciate great. You. I appreciate you. You guys, make sure when you see Joshua Cole out in the streets or um, on the campaign, you definitely support him if he's in your district. If not, you know, you can always just check out his page to see what he's working on in the um, House of Delegates and also to find out where who your 
representative is. You can definitely do that. You can go online and look it up and find out, you know, who you need to be voting for because the local elections are so important. Getting to know these people is so important. I know everybody goes after the presidential election every four years. And while that's important too, I feel like the locals are even more important because yeah. these are the people you can really touch. These are the people who are fighting day in, day out for the laws that affect you directly all the time. So please, 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 if you're not involved in the political process, please be involved. See? See? That volume. I ain't the only one. <laughs> I'm not the only one. But anyways, thank you for tuning in. If you are catching this on YouTube, please subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe. I'm trying to get up my followers on there. Um, follow all the pages, all that good stuff. Or check us out, Apple, um, Spotify, iHeart. We're on pretty much everything. And that, of course, you know, will be uploaded in two days. Yep. Thank you very much for tuning into this live and listening later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks.